0: Hello, and thanks for listening to Behind the Brand, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of some of Australia's most exciting small business success stories. I'm your host, Jen La, a serial entrepreneur who loves talking all things small business. Each week, I'll sit down with an incredible founder and ask them to share it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. On my mission to find out exactly what it takes to run a successful small business. From startups to scale ups and international success stories, you'll hear it all right here on Behind the Brand. If you love what you're hearing and want more, find me on Instagram and TikTok at behindthebrand.podcast. Of course, sharing the good vibes is always appreciated. Share this episode on your stories or leave a podcast review. A little bit of love goes a long, long way. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy while I take you behind the brand. Hello everybody, happy Wednesday and welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Brand. This week we're doing something a little bit different. When I sit down with influencer, fashion blogger, product-based business owner, Tina Arbe sakra from Trash to Treasured. Tina comes on today to talk all things personal branding, starting a product-based business on the side of a very successful career as an influencer and also how small businesses can work in the best way possible with influencers. Tina has also done us a huge favour and created an email script template that all small businesses can use when they are approaching influencers to make sure we're doing it in the most time-efficient and most positive way possible. If you would like a copy of this, please just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm at behindthebrand.podcast, and I would love to share that with you. So a huge thanks to Tina for sharing that, because obviously getting some insider knowledge is always appreciated. But for now, let's jump straight into today's episode with Tina Abesekra Tina... Thank you so much for joining me today. We're just having a laugh about us both being nervous, even though we've spent a whole day talking beforehand. How are you? I am very well thank you so much for having me I'm so excited to have you on we and I will give full disclosure we met oh maybe almost a month ago now month we ago. did a PR strategy consulting session today and it was so much fun and I loved hearing all about your brand so I wanted to bring you on so you can share your story with everyone because what you have built is amazing and I feel so oh. proud of you so I'm so oh, so
1: much
0: <laughs> I'm so excited to share this with everyone. But for people who may not be familiar with you
1: or the brand, tell people a little bit about what you do and who you are. So my name is Tina and nine years ago, I started a little hobby called Trash to Treasured, which was a, well, is a fashion and style blog. Um, And I built my Instagram from there. Uh, Along the way, I became a stylist. I retrained as a fashion stylist and that's what I do now. I am a full-time fashion stylist and content creator.
0: Now you said retrained which means that's probably not what you did to start with. 9 years ago tell me about Tina circa 2012. What was she doing? Mm-hmm. What was her life like? Was it fashion? Was it styling? Business owning? What was going on? It was
1: the furthest you could get from that to be honest. I was a hydrologist. So I'd gone to uni, I'd studied environmental science, I'd done all the I'd box ticked. Yeah, the career path or the traditional path I was meant to. I've gotten to myself a very secure job, and I was in my late twenties at that point. And to be honest, I kind of was sitting there thinking, "Is this all there is to life?" <laughs> it really. Yeah. I just, I just felt like, okay, like I've done all the things, but I still don't feel fulfilled. So what, what else do I do now? What is a hydrologist? I've never heard that word before. What does that mean? Okay, so our hydrologist manages water resources. So essentially I was working for the New South Wales government managing our rivers and dams and all of that. So it's all it's all very technical and uh, it's more of an engineering-based role. But you're right. So government job... Very secure. You've got that
0: linear pathway of what your career will look like if you stay for X amount of years, even in government, like, you know what your salary will be in each band and everything. Like, it's all very predictable. You know the way to the top, but it wasn't for you.
1: It wasn't for me, and but it was for my parents. Yeah. <laughs> they were over the moon because, uh, you know, when we moved to Australia, I was three, I was born in Sri Lanka. My dad actually worked at the same office. So they were, like, so proud, like, because for them, they could see my next 40 years. So they yeah. felt secure. Um, and I just felt so far from myself and my true self. Uh, it was... It was,
0: I was stuck. So many entrepreneurs <laughs> feel the same way. I've had this conversation. This is why I asked this question because I want listeners mm-hmm. to know like a lot of people, we're not. no one's born running a business, well, obviously that'd be weird, but like no one's born <laughs> running a business. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like no one, this is a lot of things. People come to it after feeling usually a level of dissatisfaction in their life. And I think especially if you're in your thirties, like entrepreneurship wasn't a thing when we were studying at uni, when we were at yeah. high school. So... I love how you said your parents felt secure because they could see your next 40 (laughs) years. That must have felt really good for you. (laughs) Now, Trash to Treasured is, well, I don't want to say a blog because I really feel like that minimizes what you do, but we're talking about 2012, 2013. Okay. So, let's, Mm -hmm. it, it was a blog kind of thing that you started up. Correct. Yes. That's... That's not uncommon in that time. That was the peak. Like I used to, I had a receptionist job while I was at uni and I would just spend all, sorry if anyone is listening who worked at that job, I would spend all day reading blogs. I had like all these different blogs that I would check and that was just like part of my routine. I even had my own blog. It was called Around the World in 80 Cakes. Um, oh my goodness. I know. and It it lasted like three weeks. Um, But you've, you started essentially a blog nine years, almost 10 years later, it's still going. It's something you've monetized. It's a full on business. Is that, was that always meant to be a long-term thing or why did you start blogging?
1: Why is because I was bored. I, my partner at the time, well, my now husband, then boyfriend at the time, I think he was a bit, he was a bit like, oh, babe, you need a hobby because you're kind of. He's just annoying. buzzing around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. And, you know, he had his stuff going on and I kind of just had this job that was super secure and I didn't have to work late hours. I just did my nine to five because that's all really that was required. Um, and he's like, you really need a hobby, but what do you like to do? And I, I honestly didn't know, like I didn't know what I really like to do in a traditional hobby sense. Um, I don't really like sports. I don't knit I don't do any of that stuff but I love to shop and I'm really good at shopping in the sense that I will find really decent things and I just know where to find those things and at a really affordable price point I've always shopped like that I've always dressed like that and so and then I had another friend who's really into fashion but she's into runway like editorial like all that kind of stuff which I'm not I'm more everyday style um, but she said you know there's this thing called Instagram. And people are sharing their outfits and there are are these blogs that I've been reading. And that's how I kind of fell into it because she told me about it. I never read blogs, but I needed a hobby. (laughs) So I thought, why not? And because I was the girl that rock up to a party and if someone liked my dress, I'm like, oh yeah, it was 20 bucks from Target. You know, Mm -hmm. that was me. And so um, but that I would be saying that after the fact, whereas with Instagram and a blog, I could do it in real time almost. So I liked that idea of reaching people and or mostly it was for my friends and I liked that. So I was like, okay, sure, let's give this a go. And I kind of figured it out from there. Did you even know you could make money from it? No, 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 no. So my friend that was into this kind of thing, she said, oh, imagine like one day you might even get sent something. Like, oh, you might yeah. even get. Sent- <laughs> oh, I I'm going to send you something. <laughs> I'm going to give
0: people some insight into why that's ironic. Is because Tina and I have been talking about controlling the f- amount of free things that do arrive. So from a really yeah. trying to be less consumption, sustainable <laughs> point of view. So that's actually quite ironic for you. Ten years later, when <laughs> you thought maybe one day you might get something for free. Um, but now this is your this is your full time job. Exactly. Yeah. How
1: long did that and, take? So it took. It took a while. It's not as quick as you would think, or not as quick as it can be nowadays. Now that the whole influencer or content creation world is growing, back then it was more about um, brands were looking for user generated content. So, I mean, they still are, but it was like a new space, and so it wasn't really something I was thinking as a job for the first five six years. I would say um, well, and that's then, more than half its life. Exactly. I mean, I only went full time. I only quit my other job, um, my nine to five, in twenty twenty, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, in the pandemic. But- <laughs> that's
0: a great idea. That seems <laughs> yeah. a really secure thing to do. I'm Can sure you your parents- imagine my yeah my parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so, sure they were really thrilled with that. I was what, so thrilled. How did things start to grow for you? So you started posting on social media. You started posting blogs. When did things start to ramp up? Because for you to keep going, like I said, my cakes blog lasted three weeks. I was like, wow, four people are reading it. Two of them are my mum. Like, why, why did you keep going? How did, how did it kind of start to progress?
1: To, if I really think about it, it was the please people please earn me. Um, I really liked that what I was sharing was helping, and it at the time, as I said, like Instagram and blogs were all about high fashion or high or like you know bigger designer brands that 's where all these influencers the early influencers were wearing, and so I had created something that y- it 's just something you find at Westfield, you know like these are pieces you can just go and buy yourself, so people really responded to that. I guess the everyday kind of um, accessibility of what I was sharing. And that made, that, that helped me keep going. And I wanted to keep sharing. I loved that aspect of sharing. And because I felt like I, it's like I would share with my friends, like I said, oh, this dress was $20 from Target, it, but then I was reaching a bigger audience. And that was, that uh, it was kind of like, it, yeah, honestly, like a drug to me. Like it just kept me going, mm-hmm. the fact that it was helping. And I think probably one
0: thing we should mention, your niche really, is that everything you post about is under $150. So, you've got a really carved out niche. I think what is hard for people, and I'm also talking about myself when I say this, is trying to grow online and share content and all of that. It is such a hard slog. And I'm sure people listening will resonate with me. You feel like you're posting all the time and putting out all this free content and you may be getting like one or two new followers a week. And it's, it's just not growing at the rate that you feel like it's almost worth it. And like, I would love to hear if people resonate with that. It, you must really have been passionate to keep going for that long without any kind of reward apart from, you know, this is just what you were doing on the side of your government job.
1: Exactly. I think it it really was the feeling of, okay, I'm in this job that I'm staring at a computer all day. Um, I'm working with people that aren't like minded. Uh, honestly, they were maybe 20, 30 years older than me and all men, and they were fantastic, but it wasn't, they weren't my people. But I was, so what kind of like drew me to it was like, I'm growing this community and mm-hmm. a community of people I can talk to all day through my phone. It, it just, mm-hmm. It was a lonely time as well. So it was kind of, it was my outlet. It was my little friend circle that I made through the blog. So I think that was part of it too. Yeah. I like that you're not glossing over how
0: long it takes because it's not a short game.
1: It's not a short game. And I will say though, like, I guess if you're more strategic about it, there are certain things now that we know about content creation and Instagram. I mean, there's whole careers that have boomed out of, you know, social media management, like Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother career now. That's a a thing because um, of Instagram and Facebook. But um, in those days, yes, it took time. But I think the reason it had that sustainability to it is because the key messaging never changed and it's always here's my affordable style under 150 from shops that you can access easily
0: I like that your brand never changed it always stayed the same so people knew what they were getting for you that's I honestly and I'll I'll even put my hand up and say I've had times where I'm tempted to change Should I change the content of the podcast or should I change the content of this or that? Because like, what are people going to like more? And you want to give the people what they want. But I guess there is a lot of strength in staying true to your niche and just putting in the time and kind of having faith that it will grow. I
1: think the strength is um, in like blocking out the noise that's around you. There's so many things that you can go, so many different options these days, Mm -hmm. but if you're sticking to some what you're, like, as I said, I also already shopped at this price point. I already shopped at these places. It's nothing. I'm not doing anything new. I'm just packaging up and sharing with people that I wouldn't normally be able to
0: reach. That's it. Um, and when did you start to be able to monetize it? Because that's when it starts to go from a hobby into a business.
1: It was, I th- I got my first paid collab in... Actually, in 2014, so it was a year after. Mm -hmm. But um, it was with Trade Secret, which is now known as TK Maxx. Just to backtrack a little bit, what I was noticing was, in terms of growing followers, um, brands would repost my images if I'm wearing head to toe that brand, which makes sense, and Mm that comes back to the user generated content that you know they love. So I would go head to toe Cotton On, head to toe Kmart, like all the affordable brands. And I'd done that for trade secret and I'd gone head to toe wearing something um, of theirs. And that's what caught their eye. And that's what made them reach out. And so they asked me to put together um, another look for them. And that was my first paid um, collab.
0: That must've felt like a big deal working with a brand for the first time. Absolutely. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just happy to be there. And let me ask you this. Did you charge them fairly? No, you undercharged them. I
1: know
0: know this girl. So so when did you, you said about six years in is when you made the decision to go full-time on the business. How long did it take you to reach that decision and what was that? Where was the turning point? Was it that you had made X number of revenue and thought you could sustain yourself? Is it that you were just so burnt out and overworked that you had no choice but to go into it full time? What was that kind of catalyst?
1: Okay, all of the above but in stages. So I had the first collaboration in 2014 and all the way through to 2018, I was just doing collaborations on the side. So something I did on my weekends... I roped in Insta hubby um and yeah, you know he was taking my photos and uh that's all we were doing we we're cruising and in 2018 um a Macquarie Centre here in Sydney reached out for me to do some workshops for them so that's you know at center stage deliver a piece on auto winter dressing and I wasn't a stylist at this point um but I had the whole say yes and figure it out mentality because when else do you get a chance? Yeah, I like love that. This? Say yes, figure it out later. Exactly. And so for that first uh, first set of workshops, I, you know, I winged it for sure, but uh, I planned, I prepped, and I was really proud of how it went. And I remember getting up on that stage and I was about to start talking and presenting and people were taking out notepads and pens and writing what I was saying. And it was, I had this moment of, oh my goodness, maybe I have something to say. Maybe there's more to this. And that was when it was straight after that that I went and enrolled in a styling course um, with Australian Style Institute because even though I liked fashion and all of these things, I needed the skills to be able to transfer and help others with different body shapes and lifestyles and all of that. So I needed to, I really wanted to do that training. So that happened. And even after that, <laughs> I still didn't quit my job, um, but it got to a point where the collabs that were coming in were much bigger than just a weekend job. And, you know, I was getting asked to do TV slots. I, I did my first Today Show appearance while I was still had my full-time job. So it was really coming to a head. So I had to make that decision. So again, I didn't just quit. I, my husband and I sat down and we thought, okay, let's take a year off unpaid, I will save six months worth of income that I need to pay rent and all those types of things. So in that, um, so that was what we were planning towards. So this is all start of, you know, end of 2018. So I started to plan uh, July 2019, I took my year off at this point I'd been at my job for seven eight years and because it was government I could take um, long, long service services. yeah so love that. All, we made it all work um and so yep July 2019 took the year off and then the pandemic hit so <laughs> So, I mean, it was great. Uh, To be honest, July to December 2019 was fantastic. I went to London with Marks and Spencer on a press trip, which was (gasps) incredible. I went again, actually, in September two weeks ago. So So it was was amazing. It was the first one back after COVID and everything. But anyway, so I was getting these incredible opportunities and uh, March came along and every single thing dried up like every single Mm. thing. Do you think brands panicked? Absolutely. It was March 2020. Um, Logistically, things were all shut down. Like everyone brings in like so much product is coming in from China and overseas, especially here in Australia. Um, Everyone panicked, of course. No one knew what was happening. Mm. And so from March, April, May, everything was frozen essentially. And my boss is now emailing me because I'm due to come back from my year off in July 2020. And he's like, what's happening? Are you going to come back? And it was so, so stressful. Um, And when I said I took the year off, it's because I was already under so much stress trying to handle both things. And now I'm like, you know, in the middle of like trying to make another decision during the pandemic. And I just had this moment of I, I planned so much, like we planned so much for this year off. And a pandemic. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, can't plan like, a like, pandemic. You know, you pandemic. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, and then this happened, and it just showed me that anything could happen. So, why not just go for it? That's a
0: really responsible way you've done it. And to be completely honest, that's similar to what I've done. I've been doing my PR consulting and agency and podcast and everything for 12 months before. And I mean, you did six years, but like 12 months, but I made sure I saved X amount of money so that when I transition out of that job, I can at least, you know, not be eating cardboard every night for dinner because I'll (laughs) actually have some money to pay the mortgage and all of that so it sounds like you did it in a really sensible way um almost in like a very risk-averse way
1: that's my husband's influence (laughs) like I was gonna say don't get me wrong personally I just there were so many moments oh I just want to quit I'll figure it out oh it's fine but he's very planned methodical risk averse not risk averse, but he's supportive in that. Let's do this properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think especially being, you know, a podcast about businesses and things, I think I really need to say like, you know, your life partner or your partner in this plays a massive role, um, as well financially, like, you know, the security in that sense as well, like it's just emotional and financially. So i heard somewhere, you know, you're, your life partner is one of the biggest business decisions or career decisions you'll make. And I absolutely agree with that because it couldn't, I couldn't have brought it to here without him.
0: It's interesting that you were saying that brand collaborations and brand interests really died off at the start of the pandemic. And I can understand why I, coming from marketing as well, extra spending on marketing, advertising, public relations, that was the, that's the first thing that people cut. And I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, if it's between funding a stock run and PR, I understand, you know, you need product to keep your business alive. But isn't it ironic how much of a boost e commerce ended up actually having once the pandemic, once people started to really like settle into the pandemic, I guess, you know? And then did things pick back up again once the brands kind of were able to navigate?
1: Yep, absolutely. So June rolled around and it was literally the, week, the last week and I had to tell my boss, yes, no. And um, ev- oh, my inbox just got, bam, flooded. Everyone's like, yep, we're planning for July, August, September, let's go. And it was a new financial year and it was just like this like literal click of the fingers, boost back up. Everyone's got like clearance to go ahead with all the – um paid socials and all of that that they had planned and um, I got the call-up again. So that was fantastic.
0: How did your parents take it? Because they've already come up a couple of times. <laughs> How did they take the decision?
1: Um, it's so funny. I think it's a uh, – it wasn't just them like I have you know my extended I guess family but they're all family friends you know there's the community here and um that I've grown up with and everything and they all they all had their two cents and the funniest thing was I the last question they asked me was what does your husband say and I said my husband says go for it and they're like okay that's fine (laughs) that's what shut them up
0: (laughs) I love okay can we just as well no one can see us but how old are you i 'm thirty seven now so there you yeah. go so i 'm not talking to an eighteen year old guys. <laughs> we 're <laughs> fully grown adults here um, yes. it 's funny how much of that can play a part as well in feeling I supported think, and taking that that kind of opportunity
1: absolutely and I think like uh, for my for, from my experience, like I know a lot of us like a lot of people that i 've grown up with in the community, um, we are all first generation. Our parents moved here. We were born overseas. They came with these ideals. You know, family members like in Sri Lanka. No, no, don't go over there. Like that's you don't know what kind of life you're going to give them. So they had this. They were so determined to make sure we studied well, we got good jobs, and we were successful in their definition of success. And I had done all that. So why am I, why am I messing this up? So I, I I totally understand why, but it was time to find my own way.
0: So you've quit your job. You've gone Mm full-time into content creation, styling, doing your own thing with Trash to Treasured. And now you think, what can I do it's even more risky at a risky time. And that is I'm going to launch a product business from scratch in the pandemic. So November, 2020, (laughs) we'd already spent almost a full year in lockdown. Why did you decide to launch the treasured edit?
1: Because when all of my income dried up in the blink of an eye, I realized I need to diversify my income streams. So tell me, what the treasured edit is
0: and why that was your choice of products when you decided to launch a business itself.
1: So the treasured edit is a jewelry range and it's made up of really good quality pieces that you can wear every day. So the way it's actually made means it's waterproof, tarnish resistant. And I had been looking for something that we can add to outfits to elevate the finish and finish the look. So I already had pieces affordable pieces that I'd bought from stores over um, over here in Australia and they just didn't last. They were tarnishing, they were going a bit greenish after a couple of wears and I was spending $100, $120 so I just assumed okay, that it would last and it, they were all gold plated as well so I didn't understand why they weren't lasting and um, I actually have a really like great friend that, well, she's a great friend now, but her name is Claire. She runs a jewelry business called Elvro Jewelry. And we were speaking a lot at the time uh, in 2020, because we were both uh, just taking a year off our full-time jobs. We'd connected on Instagram and I we kind of said, oh, if we won the business lottery tomorrow, what would we what would we spend that money on? And I straight away said products and, mm-hmm. you know, starting off with jewelry. And she said, let's do it. And so that's how it all started. And she she's fantastic. She's a gemologist. So she has all that bra- background. And essentially I am a wholesaler now from, from her business. So I still design everything, but she's the middleman that um, finds all the su- suppliers and manufacturers for me. And um, in that wholesale rate she also packs my orders and sends it which is great because she's already set up to do that for her business. So I don't have to actually do that part either. <laughs> that's amazing so, <laughs> so it's almost it?
0: it's almost like a like a kind of contract manufacturing mm-hmm. setup that does the fulfillment and everything. Because it's not like you didn't have enough on your plate already. Yeah,
1: exactly. And this is why I did and that's the thing like it was such again a risk averse way to do it. And mm-hmm. she said, look, let's start with You know a really small run small units and because I had already worn her jewelry and it didn't tarnish and it was waterproof and all of that I trusted her judgment completely and who she used so that was fantastic and now she kind of has a new wholesale account through me and I'm selling it on to my audience so it was a real win-win for us in a really rough year to be honest
0: was it something you had to pour a lot of money into to start with?
1: Um, Yes, because I have to pay up front, like I have to pay a deposit up front and the final is when it ships or before it ships. So the way I was planning it is, okay, I've got all these collabs coming up, I know I have X amount coming in, I know I have from there I can invest X amount into the jewellery business, but I never ordered – more than I could afford. I still don't. I that's the trade-off. I'm so grateful to say. Um a lot of the designs sell out within 24 hours now because it's kind of got that cult. Like people know Mm -hmm. it lasts and all of Mm -hmm. that. But that's also because I'm not overextending myself and I want to keep that that going in that I don't want to oversaturate. I don't want to do that. Like I just I order as much as I think is needed and it's made to order. So it's not kind of, as in, I say made to order, but it's batches that are made to order. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for being so transparent. In terms of the finances of the business, I think I know that I look at other businesses and I wonder how did they fund it. And I know how lucky I am that I've had the support that I can. You know, the reason I was able to have my first business was from my parents and, you know, yep. taking out loans. And then the second business, again, I have a second income that we can rely on. And I think um, it's not something people usually want to share. People don't want to share, you know, that side of it, but it's real. Like there has to be a way to fund a business. So thank you for being open. um, Oh, my pleasure. With that.
1: It's it's funny because now like my content creation is my full time and then the treasured edit became my side hustle. So of course I'm using money from, you know, the styling and content creation Mm -hmm. to fund this. And it's fine to not Com- like always, bring out new stock or restock, or you do it within your means. It's a risk, right? When you're manufacturing product, if you made
0: five thousand pairs of earrings, but you sold one thousand, there's a lot of stock to move, and you and as you said, you need to pay those bills up front. Especially when you're working with manufacturers, even if they give you thirty days, that means you need yeah. to sell them with a certain period of time to be able to pay that invoice and keep your cash flow going. So it yeah. makes sense to do it in a measured, reasonable way. One of the things that I really want to talk to you about is I'm going to pick your brain on personal branding and being an influencer and how brands can work with influencers and everything because this is not Mm -hmm. insight we usually get. Um, I usually chat to people. We're mainly talking about product-based business journeys. So I think this is going to be really valuable for product-based businesses because you're going to give us the inside scoop (laughs) on what it's actually like. So, let's talk first off about personal branding. Even though, you know, you started off as trash to treasured, you've recently rebranded to yourself and that's what, where I want to talk about, mm-hmm. a lot of businesses shy away from putting themselves in front of their brand and yeah. a lot of people feel maybe like me. I feel like a bit of a wanker sometimes when I do it and they feel a bit insecure is that a way you've, have you ever felt like that when you're putting yourself out there as a brand? Because you are the brand. Tina is the brand.
1: Tina is the brand. And I think it was important to be trash to treasured first when nobody knew me and knew what I was about. So especially building that following to be trash to treasured, affordable style under 150, you, you need that hook to start- Creating, you know, your brand and what you're about. And I think nine years later, it's evolved because that is part of me. Like, as in, trash to treasure will always be part of me. I still shop in that way. I still want to give out the same content. But there are the other things that I like, that other things that I know that my following that I now have are interested in. And I want to branch out to those things as well. So I think knowing where to draw the line I will share things about myself personally but if it's got anything to do with family members my husband or other people in my life I will think twice or that's not content I always look at it as is this content or is this my real life and it's just Mm. there has to be that that line
0: I like that is it like asking yourself is this content because I think especially now, you know, the way TikTok's coming up and it's people are sharing a lot more of their yep. lives. I I know personally, I draw a bit of a line between what I share personally and then what I share as a brand and as a podcast. Um, and business owners, it's there's a real fine line, I guess, to walk between being a brand, especially a product-based business owner, for example, um, and wanting to be the face of the brand because you want people to connect with you and your mission and the the whole kind of journey behind the business—that's what we want, right? Yeah, I guess that's a good way to look at it. Is—is is this content? I really like that.
1: Yeah, I saw somewhere that um, you know, there's an influencer and then there's a content creator, and they're two different things. An influencer uses their life and their what happens to them in their lives as content. Like that is what they're sharing. They're sharing their everyday lives and struggles and all of that. Whereas content creators have. A specific thing that they share and create content for so for mm-hmm. me that's affordable style and you know shopping and all of that so but with a bit of lifestyle and things like that thrown in but that's it yeah the so rest then I guess- of it is my personal life
0: yeah and that's for you like that's for, that's for the behind the behind the scenes Tina and I guess I guess if you're a product based business owner and you're looking at this going okay I want to share more it's like okay so what parts of your personal life or behind the scenes life can you share that is still relevant so things that would be relevant are maybe like a day in the life where you're packing boxes or what it Looks like, you know, packing orders on your kitchen table or if you're a food brand, maybe sharing recipe testing in the kitchen, that kind of thing. That stuff will give a connection to your audience about your brand and who you are, but it's not crossing that boundary.
1: Absolutely. And people love behind the scenes. Have you ever... Have you ever watched maybe like a TV show or something or a movie? And it wasn't very good. But then there's like the bloopers and the behind the scenes at the end. And it's just you still watch that, even though you didn't really like the movie. Like you'll still Mm -hmm. watch that because it's it's entertaining and it's almost like fly on the wall perspective. Yeah. So Um, that's why like, pa- even if it is packing on your kitchen table, like it is, it's, people will connect with that and respond mm-hmm. to that. So res- resonate with that, I should say. Yeah. That's a lot of the content I watch. I love watching that kind of
0: <sighs> that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So it's talking about putting yourself out there. Now, what I want to pick your brain on, and I'm sure other people want to hear as well. I'm not going to say pretend everyone listening owns a product-based business because that's, that's 99% of, of people who are listening, if, if you are, and that's you. Hello, we see you. Um, <laughs> working with influencers, okay? Yep. So that's, like we said, that's how you monetized your brand. It's yep. working with a lot of brand collaborations. And you've had, I mean, you've got 160-something thousand followers. You know, you've spent the hard yards, almost a whole decade building this brand, building this niche, mm-hmm. building this community. Pick brands want to work with influencers. Absolutely. And I think I'm going to speak on behalf of brand owners here, and I hope this is, <laughs> I'm saying the right thing, but it can be really difficult to kind of work out when you're working with influencers, you know, where is the line when someone should be paid? What What's reasonable to expect? How can we make sure, you know, if we're forking out X hundred or X thousand dollars for a collaboration Mm -hmm. how can we make sure that we are as small business owners that's you know it's a lot of money Mm -hmm. um how can we make sure that we're getting content or getting deliverables that are useful to us so Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some little questions around all of this yeah first of all being approached by a brand Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: there a way that you would recommend people do that? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I okay. hope it doesn't come across. <laughs> no, as no, we way. need to know. No, we need to yeah. know this stuff. How do we, so, how do you approach influencers? Am
1: I just dropping them a DM being like, Hey, want to collab? Um, I would not DM, especially if an account has, I guess, a, ser- a significant amount of followers because it is really, really hard to track all of that. I would say definitely look up their email address. It's often in their bio. It's in, there's like an emailing section in Instagram as well. Uh, look up their website, do a little bit of research as to what the brand is. So for me, like I'm under 150 and that kind of tagline is everywhere. So if your your product is three, $400, it's not a good fit. Um, so just do a tiny bit of research, reach out uh, via email and have have your actual website, like the amount of times I just don't even have a website to check, like, oh, I've got this brand. Can you work with me? And it's like, okay, but Mm -hmm. what is it? So make it as easy as possible um, for the person that's receiving the email. So your objective, what are you trying to get here? Do you want more followers? Do you want sales or just brand awareness? So figure that out and have that in that email as well. Check If they have a, if the influencer has a media kit or if they're accepting gifting, um, these are the types of questions to ask in that initial email and the information to put in that initial email.
0: So go in kind of knowing what you're asking for. So maybe if I was emailing you, I would say something like, hi, Tina. Oh, God, I need to think of a brand name off the top of my head. My I, I name got a great is- one
1: today. Oh, please I, tell I me it. Up. Yes. So she's like, hi, Tana, I've been following you from my personal account for years. I actually have this um, small business of mine. I think your audience would really connect with my product. Um, I'm, I, you know, at the moment I can only uh, offer gifting, but if you're not taking gifting at, at the moment, please send me your rate so I know what to aim for, for few. you know for my future marketing. And I loved that. It was amazing because it's like, okay, you're telling me everything and mm-hmm. um, now I know where you stand and I know what you're, you're, you've linked to your uh, website. I know exactly mm-hmm. what it is um, and I can go do my little research and figure it out from there. But that was fantastic. I thought that was great. <laughs> that email. That's really good. That's really textbook. Yeah. This person knows how to pitch. I like it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes with the brand, it's almost a little bit chicken and the egg, right? It's like – You want to know what you're going to get, but you also want to know upfront how much it's going to cost. Cause that's the big thing. Also, a lot of the time it comes down to money, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if a brand is quite small and like, they don't have that much stock of each item um, and they just want sales, I would then go back to them and say, here's my media kit. If If you're looking for sales, um, I would go with a stories only package where, um, you know, it costs a little bit less because it's content just for Insta stories. But I can also link to your item with the exact items that, you know, we're going to promote um, Mm -hmm. and that's pushing traffic to your website. That's pushing direct sales. So we'll go Insta stories for you. And, you know, we don't need to do the whole reels and all of that because a reel is you know, it does cost more. Um, and then that product might have sold it out by the p- time someone sees the reel. So mm-hmm. it's more time you consuming. Get, I mean, yeah, and exactly. So, but it's kind of like, um, so I, sometimes I work with small businesses, they only have like 10 units of that one dress. So for that, it's like, okay, Insta stories for sure. Because by the time I've done this reel and we've pushed it out and there's no more dresses left, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So, you know. Kind of just understanding which content's going to work for your um, your pu- the purpose of of why you're hiring me So, mm.
0: and it it sounds like you're saying as well like don't be afraid to be clear, so this oh, is absolutely. what I am looking for yes, yeah, are there any no nos for brands working with influencers
1: so in the same vein of you know give as much information as you can it's having too many must do's in that it had you like we will only gift you two things and we're picking the two things and it has to be styled in this way it has to have this backdrop it has to be done at this deadline because when once you start adding all that into a gifted collab that's that's turning that looks like a paid collab to me because I'm yeah. I'm coming to your yeah. deadline and your requirements that's that is outsourcing then to a photographer a model like all of that kind of stuff because my flavor or my voice that I'm bringing is is not there anymore so that's kind of difficult so gifted yeah. is they post to their discretion so you gotta okay. you have to you have to get that clear What does gifted mean to you? What does gifted mean to the influencer? And I think that's where a lot of issues come up of, oh, I've sent this, you know, product and it never got posted.
0: Completely agree with you. As a PR, you know, we do work with influencers and things for our brands as well. If you're gifting only, you're sending a product, you really have to lower your expectations on what the outcome of that will be. It's just not possible to, and that's the way things work now, but you, it's just not possible to send somebody something with a brief and have high expectations of what you will get in return.
1: Absolutely. And, like, I've had where I've I've bought a product and then the brand has seen that I've posted it and then they're like, oh, we'd love to send you another thing from our range. And then it's there's no expectations. It's just, there's you know, and it's great. But the issue is when there's two definitions of um, (laughs) what outcomes you're looking for. It's good to know that side of things. I think Um, the influencer
0: world can be a bit of a maze for brands to kind of manage. I think so. Thank you for a bit of insight there.
1: And I think it's different for everybody. Every influencer is different as well. So I think uh, just understanding that it's not (laughs) a cut and paste situation. So that's why info in that first email is important. Asking those questions is important. So to understand how that person works. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, I want to talk about partnerships because Mm -hmm. you have just yesterday – launched a amazing partnership with partnership collaboration. I'm not sure the best way to describe it. You're going to be able to tell me with clothing brand Atmos in here, which is exclusive for the iconic. So to go from nine years ago, you and your friend going, oh my gosh, maybe one day I'll get something for free to partnering with a major fashion brand with an exclusive on the iconic. That's, you've definitely come a, a long way. Tell me about partnering with a brand that big and how that all worked for you.
1: Again, it wasn't overnight. So I first started working with the um, Atmos in here maybe four years ago, and that was because I started buying their clothes. They have some great workwear, and I was working in an office. And so I started creating content around that. And so that got me in front of them first of all. Um, after that, they reached out, they wanted to do monthly collaborations that went well. So then we locked in a one year contract that went well. And January this year, they, they emailed and said, look, you know, we'd like to lock you in for another year, which was great. So monthly content, but how about we create the spring summer range together? So it's Atmos in here times Tina and First of all, I teared up when when I got that email. It was just incredible. Um, and it's just been the most incredible experience just to have access to that side of the fashion world and the production and manufacturing mm-hmm. for garments, for clothes that I've been wearing and promoting. Um, but I was really Honored to be able to bring my insights. Like, I love my Instagram community and my blog community. They are incredible. They've grown up with me. Um, I've seen them through, you know, marriage, maternity, all that kind of stuff, going back to work after, you know, mm-hmm. having kids. Like, you know, I get these DMs. And so I have this really open um, conversations with them. And so it was really nice to be able to bring that insight to the table. Um, I don't know the manufacturing side, but I can tell you what women don't want and want in their clothes. So yeah, it was a great little um, partnership. Congratulations. That is such, I mean,
0: like I said, over the last nine years, who would have thought, you know, amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. It shows, you know, if you didn't have that connection with your community and that insight into what women want when they shop, you know, you wouldn't have these opportunities. So good for you.
1: Very proud. Thank you. Thank you. And I I just want to say one thing, like the reason why I have those connections is because I have the trust and this comes back down to content curation and, you know, being saying yes to things that I think genuinely will connect with my audience. It's been nine years of doing that. And so they trust when I do share something that I actually recommend and like it. And so I need to keep my you know, role, I guess, as this friend that they rely on for all things fashion and style and, you know, some beauty and lifestyle in there too. So, yeah, it all comes together and it's that trust that I've tried to maintain this whole time.
0: And that all comes down to as well, your personal branding and knowing your niche yep. and being yep. consistent. Yep, correct. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about highs and lows. So, we're going to start with the lows over the last almost 10 years of your business journey, tell me your lowest low in the business and then bring us all back up with your highest high.
1: So my lowest low was at the point where I needed to make a decision about actually leaving my secure job to start my own business and really go full-time into my own business. And that, that it just felt like the most giant leap to try and do that. And not making a decision was really my health had plummeted like that year before I quit my job. Um, I thought I developed asthma, but in hindsight, it was panic attacks. Like I was having trouble breathing, like sitting at my desk in my office. It was really taking a toll on all these different aspects of my life. And it was just, but because I was still in a role that was meant to be good for me and secure, I I just didn't think that was the reason, like, you know, that was the reason that was causing Mm -hmm. all these other angst. And I was also at a time where I was getting a lot of work coming in from, you know, collabs and things like that. So it's like, it should be a really exciting time, but I'm still feeling quite stuck and not secure in my decisions and I think that was the worst part like that lead up to making a decision is the worst part Mm -hmm. um do you find that as well with business like I just once you've made the decision it's like all right I've done it now let's go Mm -hmm. for it but it's it's that period before big decisions that is just the
0: worst (laughs) it's when you're going back and forth and you're doubting yourself and you're doing all the worst case scenarios of course I feel the same oh my gosh yes yes Absolutely. So I think
1: my lowest lows, like that's one that really stands out to me, like that actual, like that split of like, okay, I need to take a year off. Um, and then after that, it was just before launching um, my jewellery range. So it's, it keeps happening.
0: <laughs> These mm.
1: lows keep happening, but it's just, I'm starting to try and look at it as it's the gateway to something huge.
0: It sounds like your lows are probably aligned a bit with self-doubt and feeling yeah, that kind of paralysis absolutely. of making the decision. Yes. Yes. Which I'm sure a lot of you've, people can yeah. resonate with.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's just the self-doubt. It's just as soon as you've made the decision and you're going down that path, you th- you're flying. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the path now. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think it's just... Uh, just staying the course in that moment, mm-hmm. in those moments, um, is what I've learned, you know, the few times that it's happened now. Okay. And then tell me your highest
0: high on the business journey.
1: Not to sound corny, but just the whole, just actually doing it, like, has been incredible. I'd never, ever, ever in a million years would have thought this is where my life is or my life would be. Um so the fact that I have done it <laughs> mm-hmm. um so far is is a high for me and releasing my product range and becoming I guess a trusted source in the industry is something I'm really p- proud of so becoming that so that brands do take a chance on me and create a a clothing range with me. Um, I do get invited to press trips in London and all these types of things. Like it's really putting, like putting uh, their trust in me. So I'm really grateful for that and I'm proud of myself for that. So you should be. Thank you.
0: Good. So you should be. I'm happy to hear you say (laughs) that. So you should be. Now, tell me, do you have any advice? that you can share with listeners that you've either gathered along your business journey or or something you want people to know?
1: I think um, going back to your question of how would you, as a business owner, put your personal brand out there, like how would you do that? The one thing that helped me decide, you know, what I'm sharing, it was would I go into my office, like say my nine-to-five, and talk about this. Like, is this something I would want out in a professional environment? Instagram is my office. So mm-hmm. the way I act on there, it's me, but it's a, you know, professional version of me. And I think mm-hmm. that really, really helps. And just take that as you would like you know like apply that to your own personality but for me that's what I feel comfortable so mm-hmm. comfortable doing so it is your job still and just yeah whatever you're comfortable doing in a professional setting that's that's as far as you should take it i agree
0: especially if you want if you're linking it back to a brand right you want the brand Correct. to still remain professional Looking back over the past almost decade now, if you could do all of this journey again, would you?
1: Yes, absolutely, without the (laughs) self-doubt. Yeah, like I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have gone at it. Oh, there's so many things I say, oh, I should have done that differently. I should have been more you know, I should have charged more for certain things or I should have been more um, sure of myself and, you know, so no self-doubt. I should have done this and that and it's just, ah, it is what it is. All I can do is look back on it and learn from everything that I didn't do, right, and just apply it for the future. Lessons. Lessons learnt. Lessons. lessons Not mistakes, learnt. lessons. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, for people who want to know more about Tina and your style and brands and collaborations and everything you do, where can they find you on socials?
1: So, all my uh, affordable fashion is shared at Trash to Treasured on Instagram and also the website Trash to Treasured. And you can find me on um, TikTok as well under Tina of Sakura. I'll
0: link to all of that in the show notes. Tina, thank Mm -hmm. you for sitting down, letting me pick your brain about how to work with influencers, personal branding, and sharing your story with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Behind the Brand. Now, guys, if you love today's episode, I would love if you would leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts and for your time, I will send you a copy of a press release template that you can use in your small business straight away. So all you need to do is pop onto the Apple Podcasts app, leave a written review, take a screenshot, head over to Instagram and DM it to me over at at behindthebrand.podcast and I will email you your press release template. Sound like a good deal? Talk soon.